The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Nina Willen. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Mike Neeson. Mike is a 56-year-old double ostomant as a result of a stage 4 colon rectal cancer diagnosis in the fall of 2008. Mike has been married to his wife, Patty, for 27 years, and they have two sons, Nicholas, a recent college graduate, and Benjamin, a junior in college. Mike recently retired from Anderson Windows after a 29-year career there. He spends his free time golfing, playing tennis, biking, and traveling. Mike and his wife are actively involved in fundraising for colon cancer research through the MKCCR Foundation. Mike also speaks to groups regarding living with ostomies and volunteers with cancer patients to help them deal with the cancer journey, including the effects of surgery, chemo, and radiation. Today we are talking about what a person with an ostomy wants you to know. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So you have had many, many encounters over the past 11 years with healthcare providers, and today we're going to focus on what you would want them to know. So we'll dive in. Okay. So what are two things that could have gone differently from an education perspective during your pre-operative period? I, I think pre-operative would have been, some education would have been invaluable. Um, I was diagnosed in September 18th of, of 2008, and I didn't have my surgery, my double ostomy surgery, until January 6th of 2009. So it was uh, almost four months. And I, I knew in early October of 2008 that I was going to have a colostomy due to the location of my uh, colon cancer. I was told that right away. And so I would have had, you know, probably three months to uh, prepare myself a little bit, familiarize myself with some products and, you know, the, the procedure and process to change them. But there just wasn't anything available, at least at that time. And uh, the hospital didn't uh, you know, offer any type of education like that. But it would have been, you know, really valuable. And as I think back, you know, they spent a fair amount of time before I had any of my chemo, kind of educating me what that would be like, the side effects, the frequency. So I, I had some education around the chemo, and I also had 10 weeks of radiation. And the same thing, they really gave me uh, an education again about the side effects, what to expect, the duration, some things to mitigate the side effects and to, to treat you know, some of the radiation burns and dis discomfort. So they, they had programs around the chemo and radiation. They didn't have anything around the ostomy piece. And it, and it would have been great during that three months to at least see some of the products, uh, see some videos, talk to some nurses, uh, it would have been great to talk to a patient or two um, because I really went from, I'll say, zero to 90 because, you know, I literally on the 6th of January didn't have, uh, you know, ostomies and later that day I did. And so, um, 
it would have been invaluable to have something to prepare me a little bit. Uh, and that time there was nothing. So from my education perspective, especially when I had three months where I could have learned and prepared a little, it would have it would have made my post-surgery transition to my ostomies uh, much less of a shock and much less of a, a learning curve. How about right after surgery while you were still in the hospital? What could have gone differently there? Um, you know, I think that's a, a tougher question because, you know, for me at least, and I think uh, other people I spend time with other ostomates, I was in the hospital 17 days after my surgery, and the bulk of that time you know, I was pretty heavily medicated. Um, I was also not necessarily, you know, in a right frame of mind, um, you know, kind of adjusting to my new body. And you're not, with the ostomies, like the colostomy, you're not, you're on a liquid diet, so there's not really any activity in it. And between the medication uh, impacting your cognitive skills, um, you're sleeping a lot, um, I don't think that's really a very opportune time when you're in the hospital to, to learn about it. I, I'm not saying nurses shouldn't attempt to educate you then, but it gets back to the question we just talked about. I, I think the ideal time to do a lot of it is before surgery, not immediately after. And again, the hospital, um, there's a lot going on right then and there. And to try to teach a patient who's medicated, sleeping a lot, adjusting to a lot of new changes, to use that time um, to try to teach somebody about one piece, two piece, open pouch, closed pouch, how to put them on, how to cut on the dotted line so it fits your stoma. I, I just think that's asking a lot to try and do that in that environment. So I'm a huge advocate of trying to do more ahead of time I think it would make the transition and the post-surgery uh, adjustment much, much easier. Absolutely, especially when, like you mentioned, you had those months beforehand. You know, so we know that not everybody has that. Sometimes it's an right. emergent surgery, but if, if that window of opportunity is there, absolutely, to learn it while you're in a clear state sure. of mind and can Yeah, because then everything's it. not new. You know, for me, post-surgery, right. everything was new. I, I hadn't even seen products pre-surgery. I hadn't even seen, touched them, mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, for me, it was kind of like going from zero to 90 mm -hmm. or zero to 150. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I went from knowing absolutely nothing to, uh, you know, I woke up, I was a double ostomy patient, and uh, immediately, uh, you know, things were dramatically different. Mm -hmm. How about your experience with the WOC nurse while in the hospital, if you saw um, Again, I, I recall uh, they came in twice, uh, and again, on my previous you know comment to the last question, um, you know, I wasn't in a state of mind to really embrace uh, the education piece again. Some of it was, you know, being heavily medicated. Some of it I was just tired, you know, recovering from a, a major, major surgery. Um, you know, so my wife really was involved a lot. The, the two visits where they came in and they showed some products and, again, talked about how to apply them, how to, uh, again, cut on the lines, size them, things like that. Um, 
so my wife was very helpful because she was in a better place, you know, to, to deal with the, the nurses who came in. So um, I guess my point is it's not from a lack of their skill or competence or, or effort. Um, it's just a tough spot to be a patient and really give 100% undivided attention uh, to the nurses, uh, wound care nurses, when they come in to do that education. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of times, too, people may be dealing, like you had had your cancer diagnosis a few months earlier, but oftentimes people are even dealing with that as a new diagnosis and trying to comprehend that in addition to dealing with their mental adjustment trying to absorb all that on top of the teaching that you're supposed to yeah you know I was dealing with you know obviously a new body I Mm -hmm. knew shortly after I got out um, I was going to have another 26 weeks of chemo so you're right my head was uh, and I was just dealing with my own mortality too Mm -hmm. so um, between dealing with the two ostomies knowing I was going to go home uh, at some point and kind of be on my own with these. Uh, not too long after I got home and once the swelling and inflammation from my surgery went down, I was going to face another 26 weeks of chemo. Uh, you're absolutely right. There was just a lot uh, going on. Yeah. So when, and you kind of addressed this, I think, but um, what were you able to do upon discharge with your ostomies? Um, I was able to uh, to change both of them. Okay. Um, you know, my wife was helpful uh, because, again, during my stay in the hospital, she definitely paid more attention uh, mm-hmm. than I did to the two uh, sessions when the uh, two wound care nurses came in. Um, but I was able to uh, to change them. It was a little slower. Uh, my confidence level, you know, wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was able to uh, to do it. Um, I was just uh, a little nervous. Understandably. When you were discharged, what supplies and resources were you discharged with, and what would you change about that? Uh, Actually, I was discharged, you know, with very few products. I was discharged with, I think, maybe um, two or three colostomy barriers and, uh, you know, maybe eight to ten pouches. Um, And, again, those... um, were you know uh, an open pouch uh, drainable Mm -hmm. which you know that that, that's fine that's probably what a lot of people needed and then for my urostomy um, again I might have been sent out with three or four um, pouches on there again those were two piece at that time because I had the post-surgery stints in there Um, and then I was really just given uh, a list of uh, distributors in my area um, but I wasn't given really any recommendations about which distributors, um, which brand of products, anything like that. So um, it, it wasn't uh, a very robust experience. Like I said, I had enough products to probably get me through um, maybe a week. Um, I was told, you know, uh, in the first couple of days at home, you know, I'd get a, an in-home visit and uh, that individual would help me a little bit more, you know, with some of the uh, product education and selection okay. availability. Did you have a, like an education booklet or anything related to ostomy? I, I did not. Okay. I, think, okay. I think each one of the um, containers for the, the pouches or barriers went ahead, I'll say, a one-sheet uh, 
you know, kind of... Uh, Very small print. Yeah, feature advantage, use, benefit, yeah. how to apply, okay. you know, steps one through six kind of thing. But it, it wasn't really around education. It was around how to apply that specific... Um, okay. You know, so, like, punch. no information really about, like, can I shower with this thing? Can I take a bath? Can I... No. Yeah, what can I do once no, I get those home? those were all None questions that. Yeah. That, that I had, okay. you know. And again, at that time, I had very, very, very limited uh, places to turn to for those, yeah. uh, that kind of information. And, uh, you know, it, it was just a tough to, position to be in. Absolutely. So talk about once you were home and had that home care that you mentioned, how long did you have home care and what were your experiences like during that time? Yeah, I, I actually only had uh, one visit and uh, wow. it was a pretty overwhelming experience because being a double ostomy patient, um, the nurse literally covered my kitchen table with products. Um, and when I say that, I mean one piece, two piece, open pouch, closed pouch, pastes, barriers, deodorants, leg bags, uh, belts. I, I, I'm telling you, there was more stuff on my kitchen table. So. Um, I, I was simply overwhelmed, you know, and she had put so many different products out there. Uh, I thought, you know, how am I ever going to, uh, you know, adapt and, and learn to all to, to deal with all this. And, um, you know, I think her expertise was much more around, I'll say, wound care. Um, I don't want to uh, disparage anything uh, she did, but she was not an expert by any means in ostomy uh, care. Uh, like I said, I, I think her forte maybe was a little more on the wound care mm -hmm. side, some things like that. Um, but I, to answer your question, I had one visit and there were lots and lots of products. I, I was actually much more uh, nervous. My anxiety level was much higher after she left um, than when she got there. She talked about um, getting pants that were tailored with like pockets on the inside to hold the pouches. Uh, she talked about, uh, you know, adapting to wearing suspenders, just some things that, uh, you know, really uh, made me uncomfortable. Uh, but she did leave me with one thing that was invaluable and that was uh, a couple phone numbers for ostomy support groups. And, uh, you know, so for uh, some of the things that she didn't do uh, maybe uh, real well or to uh, alleviate my anxiety or increase my comfort level, um, giving me the phone numbers for the ostomy support groups. Um, because I was lucky, uh, my local one would meet every third Saturday, and she might have been at my house on a Wednesday or Thursday, something like that, midweek. And I was just fortunate that uh, my local group was actually meeting that Saturday instead of having to wait a couple weeks. So from when she left, uh, maybe two to three days later, my local group met and uh, I really got a lot of uh, questions answered, things like that around products, uh, frequency of changing them, um, the right products for me, um, because I do have a little different um, situation. Not all uh, ostomy patients have the same frequency of discharge and they don't all have the same body and some need convex and different things like that. So um, it's not the kind of thing that one size fits all. And uh, that's what I really learned at the ostomy support group or given my circumstances, um, I really found the products that were right for me and for uh, kind of my activity level and my body uh, shape and type and some things like that. 
Okay. So is that where you turn to for help with your ostomy? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was your main resource. That was my main resource. Uh, There were people there who had had them different durations, right? Everybody, there were people who had had them from one year, literally up to, I I remember a gentleman, I think he was at 50 years. And uh, so I was able to ask a lot of the questions. I'm a pretty outgoing person. There's people who go to support groups. You can be a fly on the wall and just listen if you want. Um, But I really needed some questions answered. And uh, that was an invaluable place to uh, to go to get the answers I needed. Absolutely. Can you talk just a little bit for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with support groups? Maybe just give us a quick outline of how a like a meeting runs or how a meeting would go. Right. Um, you know, typically the meetings I've attended uh, in uh, where I live here, and I still attend um, occasionally more to uh, provide information and try to give back than trying to learn more at this point but um, you know there will usually be somebody who will come in um, the first half hour 40 minutes Uh, they might be a supplier uh, from a manufacturer talking about their products Um, there might be somebody from a distributor on how to order and everything from online ordering Uh, it might be a wound care nurse it might be a doctor Uh, but typically you know that first the uh, the OSME support groups in two different locations that I've attended, um, there'll be a portion that's around education. And then really the second half is either open discussion, just about people having issues and who can help me, or it might be on comments and questions that the presenter uh, had during that first half hour or whatever. But I'm a huge advocate of them. I think uh, uh, they provide just a, a great service there. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, if people want to go there and just listen and they don't, uh, if they're a little more shy, introverted, um, you can do that too. You don't have to, you know, be active uh, and uh, and ask a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, uh, if even if you don't want to ask in front of the, the large group, and that large group could be anywhere from 10 to 30 people or more, depending on the size of that, uh, that group and the location, um, you can sure pull somebody aside and just, and I had done that uh, with a one-on-one question um, also, you know, to, to one of the participants there. So it's a great uh, resource. Wonderful information. So in hindsight, what is one thing you wish would have been different during your diagnosis and treatment period? We've talked about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be one thing? Um, I, I think the biggest thing, again, is what we talked about. I had three months really from... Uh, diagnosis, you know, to my surgery. And and that would have just been uh, a a very opportune time to uh, increase my familiarity, uh, learn about some of the products, maybe talk to an ostomy patient, um, you know, see the products, feel the products, understand how to put them on. Uh, Again, talking to somebody who I could have understood uh, what to expect post-surgery on what I could do, couldn't do, uh, some things like that. So I, I think uh, in my particular case, that 90 days between diagnosis and surgery would have been an opportune time. And, and I feel, you know, uh, that was just something that was missed. So in closing, what are your top two tips for healthcare professionals when they are caring for someone with an ostomy, whether it's a physician or a nurse, a home health aide? Mm-hmm. Whoever it may be that's listening to these podcasts. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a uh, yes for two. The, the two major ones, you know, uh, I think are to go slow. Like I said, uh, while the in-home visit for me, her intentions were great, by putting so many products and kind of going so fast, like I said, my anxiety level was higher when she left. You know, I, w I was just overwhelmed with the myriad of, of products uh, that she presented. Um, they all had their place, but she didn't really ask enough questions about my life, my interests, my activities, because there was only a subset of those products that I was going to need. And I think if she would have asked a little more probing questions before putting any products on the table, and just asking about, again, my life, my activities, um, my interests, some of those things. Uh, even my situation of, again, how frequently do I have, uh, you know, bowel movements, all these different things. Um, in my case, she could have recommended some products and eliminated some of the others um, that just weren't going to be appropriate for my situation. So I would... My advice would be to ask questions up front, go a little slower, and, and understand uh, the change people are going through. I, I think most of the people I've run into are empathetic, so I'm, I'm not saying uh, they have to be um, more conscientious uh, or caring. All the people I've run into are, but uh, I think they have to go maybe a little slower, uh, kind of understand what the person, the ostman, is going through. In many cases, as we've talked, this is all new to them. So my two biggest pieces of advice would be um, ask those probing questions ahead of time so you can recommend products that are right for that individual. And uh, again, just kind of going slow, understanding everything is new to this person. You know, for a lot of the wound care nurses, this might be the hundredth. 500th person mm -hmm. so they're very well versed a lot of times in their knowledge but you kind of have to put yourself in the uh, other person's shoes that this is their first time and so things that you might take for granted or think are second nature as a healthcare professional uh, those are not second nature or uh, you know common for the person on the other end of the, the table or conversation. So well put. Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us slash professional.